609, welcome. Hi, how are you? It's uh, show number 1,487. Thursday, November 14th. I'm Steve, you know who you are. You know, let's just get right after it. Let's get after the top six at six. Now for some more news. Ready? Welcome to the top six at six. What? On the Steve Cochran Show. That is great radio. This is your first look at what people, animals, and assorted fruits and vegetables <laughs> will be talking about today. 30 degrees, it's balmy out there. All I'm wearing is a thong and a tank top. I know. Oh, I think, oh, wow. I didn't need to see that this, this morning. It's been a visual delight. Right? You, sh- you, you should wear your shawl. <laughs> I should. <laughs> I could get a chill. And your babushka. Uh, that would be a hot look. Mm-hmm. A thong, a shawl, and a babushka. Is that chicken skin on your legs? <laughs> Walk into a bar. Uh, item number one, Starbucks giving out free drinks today. The buy one, get one free deal is on all handcrafted drinks. You might be saying, why is this a top story, Steve? Are you kidding me? I know what you people are interested in. You're interested in your coffee. Uh, size grande or larger from 2 to 7 this afternoon only. You can choose whatever drink you'd like. The promo includes holiday drinks. So if you want a couple of peppermint mochas, good for you. All right? Everybody happy now? You're all going to get an extra coffee today. I have to wait till 2 o'clock? Oh, there's always complainers. Next! Uh, the impeachment day one could have landed a blow, and maybe it did, or maybe it didn't. Pat Brady and Eric Edelstein will take both sides of that coming up after 7 o'clock. Chuck Todd will join us. At 6.40, uh, impeachment uh, day two coming up. Um, it appears that the most impact would still come if any White House insiders are uh, forced or volunteer to testify. So far, that has not happened. Next. Big ethics push in Springfield may have led or is leading to the biggest fish of all, and that's Mike Madigan. Mike Madigan's left-hand guy. See what I did there? Uh, is uh, apparently uh, in some serious trouble. There's some talk that he was wearing a wire, and Pat Brady and Eric Edelstein will get into all of that coming up as well. But could this be the end of the legend of Mike Madigan? Next, 25,000 public. Did you, I guess I, everybody thought this was done, the vote on the school strike? 25,000 public school teachers and support staff for teachers' unions start voting today on the tentative contract agreement reached two weeks ago. Did you think that was already voted on? I thought that was already voted on. Yeah, and I think people don't realize that uh, the the rank and file could vote it down, and we would be right back to square one. Any chance it'll happen? I doubt that, but it's possible. Next, Chicago rated the most welcoming city, U.S. city, for immigrants. Uh, the New American Economy's 2019 Cities Index examined the largest 100 cities in America, found that Chicago was uh, home to the best opportunities available to immigrants compared to any other city in the country, according to that report released yesterday. And this is big news. It's even bigger than the coffee deal. For those looking to get their sugar on first thing in the morning, Post Cereals and Hostess Brands getting together to release. Steve, are you sitting down? I am sitting down. I'm ready. <laughs> Twinkies cereal. Oh, man. Set to hit store shelves nationwide next month. The new breakfast replaces the distinctive taste and familiar shape of the golden colored snack cake. Little tiny golden colored snack cakes in your cereal bowl. I like that. Just one big glob of sugar. Mm -hmm. I I don't get it. It wasn't. Aren't Twinkies supposed to be dessert, not breakfast? Tell that to the people that drink that coffee, right? Why? Yeah. Your Starbucks milkshakes well, that you're having yeah. every morning. So it's Count Chocula, and it's, you know, not a dessert. It's There's breakfast. a lot of bad stuff for you out oh, there. Yeah. Just pick yours. Good morning, Nick DiGelio. Hey, good morning. How are you, buddy? I'm okay. How are you? Delightful. 
So, uh, <clears throat> so you and mom and dad go to the movies every weekend. For people that don't know this, Nick and his, uh, takes his uh, mom and dad out to the movies. I never asked you this. Who pays? Uh, me. Yeah, good man. All right, so yeah. so you take mom and dad to the movies. What did you see last weekend? We saw a couple. We saw a double feature uh, last weekend. We saw Doctor Sleep, based on Stephen King's book, um, and we saw the romantic uh, comedy Last Christmas. And that was uh, right after the first one. I mean, what are you doing between the movies? Uh, yeah, no, they were they were back to back. It timed out like we literally walked over to the next theater next door. And it started 10 minutes later. Last Christmas started 10 minutes after we uh, we walked in. Getting closer to Thanksgiving here, a lot of people would like to be able to figure out a way to spend that much time with family and not talk to them. <laughs> so, you know I mean? Yeah, my parents are very grateful about that part. So, All right, so Dr. Sleep, the Stephen King thing, any good? I really liked it. I, I thought it was great. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I did, I've not read the book. It is the, you know, the sequel to The Shining, where Danny Torrance, the little kid in The Shining, is now an adult, played by Ewan McGregor. Um, I thought it was really good. I thought it was creepy and uh, uh, and kind of funny, and also a really uh, interesting take about, uh, to, in, in my estimation, about alcoholism, and that's what The Shining was about. The book, The Shining, was, was written at a time when Stephen King was struggling with uh, alcohol addiction, and the, the whole story was an allegory about alcoholism, and it really wasn't something that Kubrick did in his movie version of The Shining, but in this movie, the, in Doctor Sleep, it's really like the core of the entire movie, and I found that really interesting and, and personally i, I you know it, uh, it, it it affected me so uh yeah i really liked it i thought it was terrific what about last christmas uh not so good Amelia clark who was on uh game of thrones mm-hmm. is about as lovely and charming an actress as you will find in any movie i just i loved following her in this movie but and she's the movie, she's super talented i mean she can she'll she's one of these people that she slides into movies you go i know her but from where and she's also yeah. survived yeah. a scary health scare she, well, I didn't know that. yeah really a life-threatening um brain issue really yeah surgery Mm -hmm. she's really i mean she is truly lovely the movie unfortunately is not up to her to her charm uh and it takes a twist uh about three quarters of the way through that is absolutely ridiculous i'm so excited about this movie oh it's not nick's fault he didn't write it (laughs) i'm interested in what you say nick because dean did not like the movie i thought dean liked it dean did not like the movie richard roper liked the movie okay he's the one and now i'm curious to hear what you think so you might be the tiebreaker it's the well. I mean, I'm be, I'm between the two of them. I because I liked watching Amelia Clark, but then there is this, and Henry Golding is also really charming. And their scenes together, they have great chemistry, and they're fun to watch together. But there is this twist that happens about two thirds of the way through the movie that is so completely unexpected and absolutely ridiculous uh, that I just it, it, by the end of the movie, I just wanted to leave the theater. So so they ruined it. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's the stupidest. I, I, I can't give the twist away, obviously, because people want to see the movie. But it really is one of the stupidest twists I've ever seen in a movie, and unnecessary twists I've ever seen in a movie. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a movie that has this twist near the end where you have to rethink everything that you saw for the first like ninety minutes, yeah, who's and got it that all kind makes no. And at that point, it, and it makes no sense, no sense whatsoever. I don't have time to rethink while I'm watching. That's crazy talk. <laughs> no, I thought it was supposed to be a light comedy thing where you didn't have to think about it. Not so That's much. Not what Guess happens. Not. You wait to wait. Wait till you get to about the 75, 80 minute mark. 
<laughs> so. All right, a little preview of movies to come. Ooh, good. There's a new Charlie's Angels. Hasn't America been waiting for this? Oh, my God. Um, yeah, no. I mean, you know, you had the TV series, obviously. You had the two movies that were produced and starred, uh, produced by and starred uh, Drew Barrymore. Uh-huh. Um, and now you have the new one, which is written and directed by Elizabeth Banks, who I really like, um, and stars Kristen Stewart, who I love, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it looks, I mean, it looks absolutely terrible. And the, and, the, the, and the buzz on it is really bad, except for Kristen Stewart. Everybody says Kristen Stewart's the only good thing in it. And that's a paycheck movie for her. Uh, yeah. Marriage Story. Marriage Story is uh, getting some of the best buzz of the year, Oscar buzz already. It is uh, Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson play uh, a couple on the verge of a divorce, uh, having a, a pretty bad marriage. And it's supposed to be uh, perhaps the best movie ever made about divorce, is what I hear, and that they're both easily going to be nominated for Oscars uh, when, when, when that comes around. The Good Liar. The Good Liar is uh, with uh, Ian McKellen and Helen Mirren. So, mm-hmm. you know, those, those those are two actors that are pretty good. Yeah, they're not bad. Uh, they're not bad. And uh, he plays a con man um, who decides that he's going to try and rip off this rich widow, played by Helen Mirren, but then ends up kind of falling for her and is conflicted about whether or not he wants to pull this con off on her. I will watch those two people do anything. No question. So, I'm, yeah. Yeah, and, I'm looking forward to that one. Right, right. That's one that I, I think I might actually go out to the theaters and see. Well, that's what we want. We want you in the theater, Super Joe. Uh, Ford versus Ferrari. That's the big one this week. That's uh, Christian Bale and Matt Damon, and it's about uh, uh, the battle between Ferrari and Ford. Ford. Uh, uh, Matt Damon plays a car designer, and uh, Christian Bale plays a, 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 a race car driver, and together they are going to try to convince Ford to make a car that will rival Ferrari uh, on the racing circuit. Um, and it's directed by James Mangold, whose last movie was Logan, which is the best comic book movie ever made. Um, and he directed Walk the Line, which was about the the Johnny Cash, the Johnny Cash movie with Joaquin Phoenix, yeah, and the buzz on this is the buzz on this is pretty strong. Uh, this is this is sort of the big prestige movie. This is one of the first movies of the season that is a big contender for for Oscars, and so is Marriage Story. But and, and that's where we are right now. We are now like in the middle of of November, and this is when the big push comes. Where like every weekend there's going to be at least one or two movies that will be pushed for award season. And this is uh, this is a big one in that regard. I think I figured out the Oscars last night. By the way, the CMAs were last night, and uh, the great thing about the CMAs, if you like country music, is it's performance after performance after performance, only yeah. occasionally interrupted by an award. Uh, that's the same way. That's the same way the Grammys are. Yeah, the Grammys, Grammys are the same there as well. So I think yeah. for the Oscars now, um, instead of uh, you know the the same thing over and over again, the actors come out and they actually have to do one of their scenes. That's it. They come out. They got to come out and they do one of their scenes. That's it. <laughs> And now here's a scene from, How and then they come out. Well, they that make the entire. Well, let's say I figure an average song last night's probably three, three and a half minutes. So you know, no more than a three minute scene. Okay, yeah. and scene. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it would spice up the Oscars a lot, especially if you make them do scenes that from other movies. <laughs> yeah, from movies they weren't in. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you get Ian McKellen out there. Do a scene from Tommy Boy. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Glad you're on board. <laughs> uh, thank you, buddy. You got it, man. That's Nick DiGiulio. He's on every night at one in the morning. And uh, you are, if you're up, look, if you're up working and, you know, your day's coming to an end here soon, you know you listen to Nick. But if you're up just trying to, you know, go potty, uh, you got an opportunity to listen to Nick as well. That's all I'm saying. He's available to you. And uh, great presence on Facebook as well. You're Nick DiGiulio.
All right, it's 625. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. News to come, bottom of the hour. Chuck Todd's coming up. we got some uh, politics in Springfield we need to talk about, plus the mayor. Maybe a big old pension uh, situation. It's not going to fix everything, but it could help. And WGN's own David Jennings has the hiccups. That's coming up next in 720 WGN. You know, I've only had hiccups on the air a couple of times, and they were never so chronic it was a problem. Have you ever had hiccups, Dave? I cannot on the show, recall no, ever having it on the air. No. no. I um, I fell asleep on the air once. <laughs> no, but I didn't, didn't snore. Have you ever had to sneeze? That's the worst. Sneezing is weird. Yeah, you're like... <laughs> you never had hiccups? Can you imagine a traffic report with Vandeveld when oh. she has the hiccups? Oh. <laughs> I, I remember once I did have them prior to the report, and I started... I stood upside down in my head and drank water. <laughs> <laughs> While you're doing a report, well, I didn't stand on my head. No, before it gets rid of your hiccups. Oh, totally. Yeah, completely. You're medically proven. Yep. Last night with Justin Kaufman, this is during the eight o'clock news. David Jennings, who you guys hear mostly on the weekends here. David Jennings doing the news last night. Is he the new night news guy? I, honestly, he's, I don't know. He's, he's in on. here often at nights, and I apologize that I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure whether either. it's a nightly thing or not. Um, because you know it's bedtime for us. But anyway, David Jennings last night suffering through the eight o'clock news. Listen. Good evening. I'm David Jennings. The news sponsored by WGN America. Mayor Lightfoot unveiled the city and state taxes on a Chicago casino for potential investor investors. But right now, there's no sign. Yes, Justin, I do have the hiccups. It happens. We'll get past the st- state house before the veto session. President Trump dis- dismissed the day-long impeachment pro- Iranian military aid that was held up. The inspiration now, it could interfere with the makers today and voted to cap the cost of insulin. <laughs> Prices have skyrocketed, leaving patients with some tough choices, according to Representative Will Gazzardi of Chicago. Bill caps out-of-pocket cost for insulin at $100 for a 30-day supply. It only applies to those who are regulated by the state. The bill goes back to the Senate for approval, and Governor Pritzker says if that happens, he'll sign it into law. Sports, traffic, and weather next on WGN. <laughs> At least it wasn't like a. Oh, I thought it was going to be a full on like. Well, well, that was that pretty bad. Thing. I usually make that squeak when I hiccup. No, know, that like was that. pretty. That was. A, I did. mean, that's that was a lot of hiccups, he and did he well. fought through it. I yeah, I give him credit. Yes, Justin, I have the hiccups. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor dude. Anyway, David Jennings, very professional of you, fighting your way through the uh, the hiccups. Uh, we're coming up on news time here. We'll get those headlines and Chuck Todd. And uh, we continue with the Steve Cochran Show, number 1,487. Who said it wouldn't last? A host of Meet the Press, MTP Daily, and, of course, the Chuck Toddcast. Make sure you are a subscriber. Good morning, my friend. Hey, what's going on, Steve? Um, well, we know it was sadness, the passing of Zeke Bratkowski, a fine downstate Danville, yeah. Illinois pal, and uh, 88 years old. What a run. What a great athlete. Played for the Bears, the Packers, the Rams, and then... Back to the Bears for a season. Won a couple of Super Bowls with your Packers. And uh, back, of course. You know, it's funny. He's. Um, I can visualize my. I think it was Philadelphia Chewing Company brand football card of Zeke. Um, uh, of Zeke, and I just remember as a kid, I like to love that name. Such a great. You know, I was always kind of a bummer he didn't get to play as much because I just thought it was a great name. Well, when you're following Bart Starr in the Lombardi year, it's tough to get on. Another the field. great name, right? No, I mean, you know, he was. The back of the star, it's sort of like, you know, there's nobody is going to be like, ooh, the Tom Brady backup, <laughs> right? Brady didn't have a backup like that. Like Zeke was a, you know, like Earl Morrill was like probably the best backup quarterback and, you know, most famous of all of them, I guess. And and mostly sober. 
you know, which you couldn't say about all those guys back then. I didn't know. Who said you had to win sober? I think you talked to some Redskins fans here. They'll say Billy Kilmer may or may not have won games sober, but he loved him when he would play. When any remembers. No, listen. Do you think Rico was sober every time he handled the ball? No, and he remembered at least half of his wins. That's it. Exactly. So, all right. So, uh, you know, everybody in Washington, of course, talking about the impeachment hearings, but you pointed out on mm-hmm. MTP Daily yesterday, there's another major story that happened. Can you tell us what happened between the president of Turkey and, and President Trump? And, and obviously that's not the big news, but maybe it should be. Well, it was big news in that it's just bizarre that the president is welcoming Erdogan with open arms. When And then he, he had this meeting in the White House with Republican senators who are just in this, it's a bipartisan theory with Turkey on what they did in northern Syria, what they've done to the Kurds. And the, and the president forced this, basically, um, well, helped launder Erdogan with Republican law, almost played mediator, where he's trying to convince, oh, no, you know, let's not sanction Turkey. It's hard. And let's say, it, the whole thing is, is, again, it goes to, I think, a long-term mistake the Democrats are making which is narrowing the focus of their investigation too much. This Turkey situation, um, um, and, and why is it that he seems whatever Erdogan wants, he gets. Um, and it goes against what everybody around the president is telling him and wanting him to do. It. He does this on his own um, with just a back channel with his son-in-law. It, it is, it's, you sit there and it just, you're like, oh my God, it's like, it's like watching um, smoke over a landfill. You're like, Ooh, that looks gross. There's something really stinky over there. It's the last, you know, um, but it's like so stinky you're afraid to go to it. I, what is, what I, the president's relationship with Erdogan is to me a flashing red light. Yeah, and it's not being explored as just said. is just the second most weird uh, to the Putin relationship. <laughs> The, uh, the the senators that were in the office look like uh, the really awkward situation at Thanksgiving where the brother-in-law that nobody wants to show up shows up anyway, and you got to pretend to be nice to him at the table. Um, how, how, why were they there? Why were they forced to be there? Or were they forced to be there? Well, they were invited there, and it, it, it was, these are the, I guess, the friendliest senators to the president who are the, who are the top, who are the most pro-curd, if you will, the angriest at, at, at the president. I encourage people to read the release that Lindsey Graham wrote based on his experience there. He was trying so hard not to look like he was going to criticize President Trump. Mm-hmm. But the way, you know, he has gone so far now down the road of, of being pro-Trump that he can't say anything. You know, so he led his statement with, I appreciate being invited to meet with President Trump and the president of Turkey to discuss Turkey's purchase of the Russian missile system mm-hmm. uh, and Turkey's military incursion into Syria. Here's, the meeting today at the White House was frank, candid, and I hope over time will prove to be productive. So it was, okay, talk about diplomatic speak for what the hell was I doing there? What a complete waste of time. There's no way Erdogan listened to a word I said, but I'm not going to criticize the president, so I'm going to use the word. I hope over time this will have proven to have been a product, pretty productive. You got to wonder, <laughs> Again, you gotta wonder I, how many drafts give, went into it. I was just going to say, I give Lindsey Graham's, uh, I think it was the deputy press secretary that sent this one out. I give their, the press secretary uh, an A for effort with yeah. words. 
No question. <laughs> All right, quick break, and we're back. And then Chuck will give us a sense of what could be coming up today in impeachment hearings day two. Chuck Tados, the longest-running show on television, Meet the Press. And uh, Chuck, uh, why are they taking the day off today and not doing another hearing till tomorrow? Uh, it's a good question. Um, I am... I, I It's a bit of a head-scratcher to me, other than it may have been a scheduling issue with the ambassador, Ivanovich. Okay. Um, but I, I do think taking a day is... No, probably not ideal, um, but they're going to hit back it tomorrow morning with a half day. But let's, I look at it this way. If you look at day one of the hearings and say, um, did they make the case that what the president did was so egregious, we should short circuit the, his ability to be on the ballot in November and remove him from office now? Um, I don't know. All right? I don't know how to penetrate that Republican bubble to make that happen. But here's what they did do, which I think means they took a step. Uh, I suddenly want to hear what the hell Gordon Sondland has to say. Right. Um, there seems to be a lot. And, and I learned something. I learned more from yesterday's hearings than I expected to. They had some new information there. I thought the witnesses were extraordinarily credible. I think you've got a pretty good sense of how messed up the decision-making process is in the White House. Um but sadly, it was a very familiar story about how the president makes decisions. Donald Trump's made decisions this way his whole life. This is how he conducts. I mean, in, in, when he almost ran for president in 2012, he literally hired two different people to set up his campaign, and the two people didn't know the other had been hired. <laughs> okay? Uh, it, it is, in fact, those two people sued each other in court over an unrelated thing. They were so, it was David Bossy and Roger Stout. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and these people now are all part of the same Trump world. These two guys hate each other because they, they found out later they were basically in a, in a contest with each other to see who could please Trump more by telling him he could be president. So the point is, is that in some ways that they're familiar with. But, but, it, but I'll say this. I think this, that yesterday was a six-hour explanation and six hours that undermined the president's ability to, to make a case for a second term. So as a campaign um, uh, messaging, I also think yesterday was an extraordinarily bad day for the president's ability to win the election. Now, having said that, the Republican strategy to divert <clears throat> and create distractions and talk about one main point, they seem to stay on point quite well, and that is uh, none of these people talk to him, none of these people know him. Is that how can anybody blame this guy for doing something when they weren't in the room, didn't hear it, and heard it second or third hand? Is that landing? Wow, it's landing for now. I, look, the Republicans, to me, have the easier case to make for this reason. They don't have to defend the president's actions. They just have to argue he should. He, he, you should leave this to the voters. Right? If you think about it, they have the easier case to make. They don't have to sit here and say the Democrats are wrong, They can, which, which they basically did yesterday. Yeah, okay, all this may have happened. First of all, you don't know for sure that it happened, which I think is a mistake. The, the Gordon Sunland phone call could end up being, oh, no, 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 what, what do you mean, third hand? What do you mean here, say? Mm-hmm. No, nope, first time witness, right? Mm-hmm. So I think they got to be careful there of that denial. But ultimately, when I say they have the easier case to make, what I really mean is the public doesn't want to remove anybody. The public is uncomfortable with impeachment. By the way, they should be, right? Absolutely. The, the, idea, we, we, the idea we remove somebody, Without the consent of the voter, right? It, it, it is not something you do lightly. 
So the voter is going to be more open to hearing a case that says leave them on the ballot for another nine months. Yeah, that's well said. Right. They're, 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 so that's why I think the Republicans have an easier job. But again, they're doing a terrible job of defending the president. They're doing a better job of making the case that he shouldn't be removed from office. And that's two different cases, if you think about it. Yeah, without a doubt. And um, my other question to be able to go on this is shift the right guy to lead this, and it's the strategy that they seem to be rolling out right. You know what? Um, I don't know if anybody in his position by this point in time would look perception-wise, the way Adam Schiff looks, right? Mm-hmm. Whoever was in that role was going to get pummeled by the president. Whoever was in that role was going to get character assassinated by Fox. Whoever was in that role. So what I can't fairly decide is, is Adam did, did Adam Schiff not handle the incoming well, and he could be handling it better? Perhaps. But he's also pretty knowledgeable about this, too. So, look, I, I've always believed if Elijah Cummings were here, were alive, and, and more important, and, 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 and was not fighting the illness, which obviously was so, was so difficult to fight that it, that it took us life. I've always believed that Elijah Cummings would have been the person that, in, 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 you know, in ideal world, that, that the speaker would have asked to leave this. And I think he'd have been a harder chair to attack. Yeah. Yeah, without Although question. the president went after him, too. So you can't say the president wasn't afraid of, of going after that guy either. But. but there was something about Cummings on camera and a yeah, uh, fair-minded, right. balanced, a historic figure that uh, mm-hmm. cut through. Um, all right. Right. Meet, right. Meet the press on Sunday. MTP Daily, uh, the Chuck Todd cast, uh, you know, watching Packers tape. By the way, you will really enjoy this. I had Andrew Weissman, who was basically oh, yeah. Miller's number two on my podcast uh, this week. He right. just joined us for is an uh, he was, um, he, he, it's, it's great to have an active legal mind. That's all. It was just, it, it, if you enjoy that kind of conversation, you'll enjoy the podcast. I must listen, my friends. Uh, all right, Chuck, thanks, Thank buddy. There you go. That's Chuck Chuck Todd. Meet the Press, MTP Daily, Chuck Todd cast. Chuck Todd on ice coming soon. Uh, That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Jay, if you want to see Chuck Todd on ice. Only if it's in Disney costume. Yeah. Yeah. Which character would he be best (laughs) at? Oh, maybe uh, a character from Frozen. It would be great to see Chuck Todd singing uh, Let It Go, Let It Go to everybody in Washington with a video in the background rolling of the impeachment hearing. Uh, Eric Edelstein and Pat Brady are in studio, and in a couple minutes we have less than in this uh, segment. I got two minutes. Yes, is that the number? <clears throat> Quick take on yesterday's uh, day one, Eric. Not a good day for Trump. I mean, I think there's a lot of navel gazing, and we want to parse this and parse that. But it was a bad whether he gets impeached or removed. It was a bad day for Trump. He clearly committed illegal acts as president of the United States abused his power to try to help himself politically and I think that point was reinforced yesterday. Pat Brady? Yeah I agree I, I agree with what Chuck said it, it, less probably towards whether or not he's going to be impeached but more towards his should we reelect him but again all that being said Deval Patrick gets in the race now and the Democrat it, it all depends who the Democrats nominate and they seem to be having any problem figuring out who's going to be the front that runner. That was not the question. Well I'm just... <laughs> You know, fair and balanced, Eric. Fair and balanced. <laughs> wait, wait, wrong studio. <laughs> so Bloomberg and Deval Patrick now in. Is there something going on with the Democrats where if one leaves, another must replace them immediately? There must be some balance of 20. But doesn't that help? I mean, it ends up helping Biden, basically, right? Yeah, I mean. Which of, one, Deval Patrick or yeah, Bloomberg? Yeah, because that's, 
East. Although, although Patrick, you know, Patrick, you could argue cuts into Warren, but he also is more of a moderate candidate than um, you know Warren or, or Sanders are perceived as. So. Um, it, you know, it's hard to What's say. What's the definition of moderate now in the democratic world? Well, somebody who doesn't support <laughs> autocratic, um, you know, despots, it's good to see you, buddy. despots that run other countries like yeah. Erdogan or Putin. You know, that's basically moderate yeah. these, these days. What billionaire do you think hurt Elizabeth Warren? <laughs> <laughs> she really dislikes billionaires. I, I, I know, but. I think we've gone a little too far in the critique of that when you look at the wealth inequality in this country and you look at the fact that there's like 10 hedge fund guys that make more than every kindergarten teacher in this country. Something combined. is out of combined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something is out of whack. And the fact is when you get a guy like Jamie Dimon saying, oh, reducing my pay is not going to do anything for wealth inequality, he doesn't get the point, you know? So Well, how about, again, um, we fix the tax code? So yeah. everybody has to pay as opposed to billionaires or anybody that can afford a good tax lawyer to get them around it. For sure. But the fact of the matter is billionaires and the wealthiest pay the lowest marginal tax rate they have in, you know, the history of the last 50 years. That's what I'm saying. That's, yeah. as you know, I'm a big fan yeah. of Congress. If we hold Congress's feet to the fire to fix the tax code, both parties. Yeah. Well, they know what they're doing. Dean after eight, of course. Uh, later on, Bill Geiger will help you figure out whether or not you're going to retire with any money. So all that's coming up. And you guys on the phone anytime, 312-981-7200. You can text there. You can fax. fax. Where'd that come from? You can text. You can call. You cannot fax. No, if you're faxing, stop it. All right, 709 now. We got a mess. A mess in Springfield. Before I go to Tom Demmer, <clears throat> uh, Pat Brady, could you tell me what's going on with Madigan? Well, let me get your microphone on, sir. Well, there's been a long-running investigation, but the big news of, of the week is, and the trip broke the story late on Tuesday night, that Mike McClain, who is basically, if you follow the godfather, Mike Madigan's Tom Hagen, it turns out the feds had his phone tapped. And Madigan or McLean? McLean's phone okay. tapped. So the, the, the working theory is they're working closer and closer to the speaker, and if we've seen the last couple weeks we can talk about it more later that this really appears to be aimed at the speaker of the house and they're getting closer and closer very complicated but i think that brings up the issue i think tom's going to representative Demmer's going to talk about it go what are we going to do to fix this because obviously what's going on in springfield right now is not working for the people of the state representative tom Demmer joins us good morning tom Good morning. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. I should call you Mr. Demmer. We just met. So, you know, I... Tom is good. Okay. I thought you might say that. Um, Ethics in Springfield. uh, Where are we? Well, we're not making a lot of progress. Uh, It's been over two weeks since we introduced, as House Republicans um, started to introduce a package of bills that are really directly related to this sprawling, ongoing federal corruption probe that has indicted members of the General Assembly, has caused a state representative to resign, um, and has, uh, you know, everybody under the dome talking. We uh, we put forward a package of bills that, that really tried to, to close some of these loopholes that we, we found out by the federal investigation were exploited. And unfortunately, every one of those bills uh, remains bottled up in, in Speaker Madigan's Rules Committee and has not been uh, given a debate or a vote. So bottled up intentionally or bottled up because that's the flow of business on that side of the aisle? So, well, a little bit of both. Uh, you know, the flow of business uh, is always different for uh, Democratic bills versus Republican bills. Uh, it's not uncommon for us to find ourselves with 
Republican proposals that are, you know, just blocked uh, procedurally. Uh, but at the same time, you know, uh, you have to look into this a little bit further and say, over the course of the last two weeks, the Rules Committee's met, we've processed bills, you know, other legislation is moving. So it feels a little bit like these ethics proposals were singled out and uh, and prevented from having a discussion that, frankly, uh, outside of this building, everybody says the discussion we need to be having. Hey, Tom, that's Pat Brady. And, and as I've told you before, you are my candidate for president in 2024. But what, what, do, what do Republicans want? Well, hold on, Eric Hosa. He's doomed now. Brady's picking up for president. Wow. <laughs> sorry about He's that. Right, right. right. I retract that. Yeah, yeah. What was your question? I, I'm sorry about that too. <laughs> okay. What specifically? Yeah. This is the question I always get. What specifically can be done to stop what has happened in the last forty years? So one of the one of the easiest things, you know, the, the first thing that we proposed was a ban on members of the General Assembly serving as paid lobbyists to units of local government. Uh, frankly, this is a, this is the thing when I when I say I've, I'm running the bill to make that illegal. People say I can't believe it's not illegal already. Or, you know, how is that how is that allowed right now? So a, just a ban on you know you shouldn't be serving in the General Assembly and then also be a paid lobbyist. Um, we've also got a bill to improve, to add some, some uh, additional information to the statements of economic interest that we all have to file. So you can't just have the kind of this cryptic form that doesn't really tell you anything. Um, we've got a bill that uh, this is relevant right now to, uh, to say that when there's a vacancy in the General Assembly, that uh, it's filled by special election. So the voters actually get a way in on that. Uh, we've got this, this uh, drama right now unfolding around former Representative Arroyo's seat. Uh, he resigned amid uh, federal charges for bribery, um, yet he's uh, one of the guys who's got the, the largest amount of weighted vote in picking his own successor. Uh, seems like a, a, a pretty a pretty hard to believe scenario. Uh, you know, then some some things to uh, to make sure that um, you know, like what has happened in the Senate, where uh, some uh, committee chairman was bottling up uh, preventing votes on bills that had bipartisan support. You know, because he's uh, he's looking out for a, a campaign donor or somebody he's got, you know, a side deal with. These are the kind of things that we just we can't allow that that stuff to happen anymore. So we put forward this package of bills that said, look, these are specific items that came up in, during these federal investigations. At the very least, we ought to intervene where we know there's a problem now. And then, yeah, we can have a longer term discussion about what some of the cultural changes we can do. But don't leave these. We can't leave Springfield leaving these loopholes open. It's Tom Demmer. How do people uh, stay in touch with you uh, that are outside your district? Uh, you know, I'm on I'm on Twitter, <laughs> so at Tom Demmer. Okay. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we, yeah, that's right. Uh, that's that's uh, that's probably a good way to, to stay in touch and see what's going on. All right, I appreciate the time, and uh, I'd like to have you back when we have time. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks. guys. Pat Brady and Eric Edelstein are here. Pat, is there an update on the Lincoln Forum? Oh, yeah. Monday night, doing the Lincoln Forum. We're going to do it at that uh, new bar restaurant, City Hall, on West Kinsey. Go to lincolnforum.org. Uh, great panel. Ben Bradley from WGN is going to moderate. John Cass from Chicago Tribune. Um, Marianne Ahern, investigative reporter, Channel 5. Dave McKinney, who's been the source on the – or the reporter that has his sources on all these investigations. And Rob Grant, the former uh, – head of the FBI here in Chicago, who took down Rod Bogoyevich. So, Talking about corruption? Talking or? about, the, 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 as we were discussing, ex, 
explain what is going on and what they think is going to happen next because it's, it's so complicated and there's so much going on. Well, so, Eric and I were talking off the air a second ago. Remember, Eric, when we were talking off the air just a second ago? You remember that? Uh, vaguely, yeah. And uh, since Pat's a former prosecutor, mm-hmm. I thought Pat could explain what's going on. No, he has to, to have a forum to do. To even, <laughs> <laughs> even to us, he could explain what's going on. So is the Ed Burke thing tied to what might be the Mike Madigan thing? Well, we don't know. Uh, we don't know if it's one. The, the working theory from a lot of people is, and I, I've kind of thought this for a while, that if they're going to charge a big RICO case, which is a Racketeering Influence Corrupt Organization Act, and the Democratic Party is the, the enterprise, maybe. But they've already charged Burke, and it seems that seems to be separate. What's been going on in Springfield... The last couple months, I think, probably is more where it's going, at least for the speaker. And that, that might be the, the, the charge. It might be a big RICO or whatever, wire fraud or mail fraud or whatever. But it, the case, it wasn't particularly clear to me four weeks ago where the case was. It seemed like a theory in search of a case. Now I think I know where, where the case is going. It all relates to this big um, rate increase that um, ComEd got a couple years ago and how how the system works. And I think what's most is somebody that's worked down there and kind of knows how it goes what strikes the chord with me is that is how Springfield works. Because you know. Yeah, you know exactly how it works. Everything that they've described, yeah, that that's pretty much how it works. It's just never been put together. They're not there yet, and it may not happen, but it's certainly, reading the tea leaves, looks like that's where they're but can going. I, can I, there's a lot of smoke here, and, I, and again, I, I have no idea where this is going to go. My, my question, Pat, is that is how Springfield works. You hire lobbyists that have influence within the... Yeah. Democrat or Republican caucuses. Totally what, What's the allegation of the illegal activity here, I guess, is what I'm... I, I read a lot of these articles, and it seems like a lot of guilt by association. The optics look bad. But what's the what's the accusation of a crime? Well, the crime would be that this company or other companies, however they ended up charging this, went beyond that, hiring somebody with contacts to actually advance your legislative issue. That's completely appropriate. But when you're giving no-show jobs or you're handing out extraordinary amounts of money where there are conversations saying that you need to do this, Company A, to get your legislation through. Uh, and it's, it appears they're moving up the chain. They, uh, the, the head of uh, ComEd has resigned. Uh, they've got a, a, a wire on Mike McClain's phone or over here on Mike McClain's phone, Madigan's conciliary. So that's where it appears to be going. The crime is just your run-of-the-mill mail or, or wire fraud. It's a, The Chicago way stuff? Yeah, you, you, you pay the piper, you pay these people, you take care. The way it always works is you take care of me, my people, then you'll get done what you want to get done. And that legislative session, that was the only thing that got done. We didn't even have a budget, and all this rate increase and, and, and other subsidies were passed. But I, and again, I'm not picking on you, but yeah. what, what I'm hearing you saying is, this is the way it's done. You just can't say it. And once you say it, then you've crossed the line. No, I think it's 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 always been improper, but I think they finally have the, yeah. the pieces to put it together, which would tie back to Solis or any of these people. Somebody's cooperating. Yeah. Terry Link wore a wire right. on a Royer. So there's a lot of cooperation going on. And this has been going on. The one piece that never really got reported, we talked about a couple weeks ago, is the, the guy that just left here, the head of the FBI, mm-hmm. was a corruption expert, probably the premier guy in the country. He took down the Bonanno family, Jeff Solette. So these cases have been going on for three or four years. So uh, before we run out of time in this segment, and I tell you the exciting news about what we're doing in the second half hour, um, shouldn't the governor, Eric, be uh, out in front and center on this? Because uh, he's got nothing to lose if he's talking about cleaning up corruption, does he? Yeah, I mean, we've said this from the beginning. He's in a bit of a tricky spot. He he needs the legislature to move his agenda. And so, you know, he wants to come in as the outsider. 
who's not part of the Springfield culture, but he also wants to get things done as he did in that spring session. And so it seems like he's walking a line. Look, I, I, in his defense a little bit, Eric, yeah. I don't think he likes that culture at all. No, no, I don't either. But uh, I think he also knows he's, he's got to get, get stuff done. And look, as you said, there's a lot of smoke. We'll see where there's fire. I, I'm in no way belittling this. I, it certainly seems like there's going to be a lot more to come. And I think the governor's probably is taking a smart, smart tack, which is let's see where it comes, and then we'll comment on it. Let's call her on line one here. Let me get Dan in from Evanston. Hi, Dan. Hi, Steve. Uh, I know this isn't going to be a popular um, idea, but what about banning lobbyists? Because, really, think about our government today at all levels, federal, state, local. I mean, we have hit a a low, low, low. Um, I I think we just need to rewrite all the rules here. Well, the great problem there would be the people that benefit from the rules are the ones that make the rules, so why would they change the rules? Yeah, and he raises it. A good point, because when you actually see how it works, you wonder why it's all legal, especially when you tie in the campaign donations and the current favor and all the things they do. But the reality is that the First Amendment protects that right to you know advocate for you or yourself or your corporation. So uh, it's probably not a bad idea. Is it constitutional? Probably not. And is everyone going to get done? No. But maybe another thing, maybe we you know get rid of uh, gerrymandering so we get a system, at least in Illinois, that's not so one-sided towards one party. How about, uh, and it, it, there's been Supreme Court case after case that's looked at this, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, uh, Wisconsin. Uh, are we getting anywhere with gerrymandering on either side? Yeah, I mean, there's progress made, North Carolina case, Wisconsin case. Um, you know, it, it's, the challenge is it's the same problem as we have with the the electoral counting system, is that it's state by state, it's county by county in some ways. And so it's hard to have, um, you know, one Supreme Court ruling or one law passed by Congress that governs everything. We have a, a balance of power where you have state government and federal government, and that creates this kind of patchwork system that is open to problems of gerrymandering, problems of election fraud. And, and until we sort of get past that, which I'm not sure we ever will, you're going to continue these problems, but we are making progress. Yeah, and the Seventh Circuit, when they looked at our map seven or eight years ago, said this map is, quote, I believe the quote was blatantly political, but it doesn't violate the Constitution, and that's all the United States Supreme Court deals with. So, until they pick the case that addresses this, I agree with Eric, nothing's going to change. I think that's why this is all very confusing for the average citizen, whether it's on the local level, state level, or the national level with the impeachment trial, because... Pat is describing this is how things are done, and there are people of influence that use their, you know, connections to make things happen, and that's why it's confusing on the national level with the impeachment trial. It feels like at what point does it tip over to quid pro quo or bribery, because it seems like everyone's asking and currying favors and using and leveraging their but connections. But, you've hit on it, because the regular person that, that is tired of politics or is listening now all the time, they go, well, yeah, of course it's screwed up. So fix it. And then telling politicians to fix it goes into this long explanation and this long unwinding of things. And then we forget. Yeah, but it's like we what the, the caller said. He said, why can't we just get rid of lobbyists? So I'd, you know, It it's comes a, back to the same thing I said. The people that make the rules would have to make that rule. And they already benefit from the rules. Here's the exciting news about the second half hour. We haven't done this in a long time, if ever. Ask Pat and Eric. <laughs> 312-981-7200. Ask us what? 
Hey, th- Anything. Hey, thanks for the heads up on that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because if I had told you it was coming, you wouldn't have showed up. Three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. You both have businesses to protect, so I will give you an opportunity to say no to a question if you like. You can only pass once. Can I bring my counsel in next time? <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. Three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. We'll uh, go through as many questions as we can as fast as we can in a brand new feature on the program. This could last through the entire show. I think. Ask. Pat and Eric, and Eric couldn't be more excited about it. Eric Edelstein, <laughs> Pat Brady are both here. Uh, let me start with this one, which is Paul in Schaumburg. Good morning, Paul. Hey, how you doing, cocky? I'm doing okay there, Paulie. Hey, what's your question? Um, huh? I'd like to know how Madigan has served almost my lifetime and how we can get rid of him is what I'm looking for. How's he still in office? Got it, Pat? Got to vote. It's the only way that he wins his district and he wins it big. So you got to vote him out, or you could look at the fact that the the people that send him down there vote him speaker. So those are the two ways. But you got to participate. And uh, by participate, you mean make sure the people that you vote for agree with you that Mr. Madigan has had enough time. Yeah, that's you know that's been the message for a long time. But give him credit; he, he gets a lot of votes and he, he uh, gets a lot of support, and he's got a, a political machine. Has he set it up in a way where he can't be gone unless he chooses to be gone? Well, if you look at the numbers in his campaigns and his in his district, certainly. Okay. Uh, Joe is in Vernon Hills. Good morning, Joe. Hi, guys. So, Eric, I have a question. Here we are in the middle of November, and the primaries are only three months away, and there are so many Democrats vying for the nomination. Isn't it time to start weeding some of the people out that, according to the polls, have virtually no chance and start focusing on maybe two or three for the betterment of the Democratic Party to beat this insane guy? We have a very logical question. It's a great question, and I think the DNC's tried to do that with these debate rules where they've tried to narrow and winnow who gets to be on that debate stage. Um, You know, the problem is the standards they set up basically allowed candidates to go out and buy access to the debate stage through these email acquisition things, which is is sort of stupid and has nothing to do with being present. But I I agree with you completely. We should be winnowing. I also think there's a dynamic, and I think we all got to take a deep breath, when when there's multiple people running against one person – the multiple people seem small compared to the one person. Once there is a nominee, and it seems much more like a, a, a fair fight, and I think we will get to that point. But I wish we would winnow it sooner. But we're Democrats, and you know, as Will Rogers said, <laughs> I don't, I don't belong to any organized party. I'm a Democrat. So well, you know, two more people that just <laughs> yeah, announced exactly. that they're running for president. Texter, uh, we'll come back. Take more calls. Three one two ninety one seventy two hundred. A texter says, "Who is gerrymandering, and why do you guys keep talking about him?" <laughs> well, G knows the answer to this. I mean, All right, so <laughs> what are you throwing? So to what me? is the what is the foundation of this gerrymandering? So it happens to go back to Massachusetts um, to Elbridge Gary, um, who redistricted a, a voting district, and it kind of looked like. Uh, it was a salamander shaped, yeah. actually. And so they started naming it after. But why isn't it gerrymandering? Though? Well, it should. I had a political science professor in college. I'm not like name dropping that I went to college, but I did. <laughs> um, 
who would always say it's gerrymandering. You, it's it's Eldridge Gary from Massachusetts. I happened to have gone to school in Massachusetts, so I think there, there was something. So somehow it changes to somehow Jerry. it changed to Jerry. Yeah, this like, was back in December seventeen seventy five. So you know, like like you were always Stevie. How'd that turn into Steve? Actually, I prefer Stanislaus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Seven forty three. We'll uh, take more calls. Starting with Guy when we come back. Three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. Ask Pat and Eric, and I mean about anything. Doesn't have to be politics. Could be love. Could be finance. Could be auto mechanics. It's Ask Pat and Eric, a regular feature. The kids seem to love it. And uh, Eric Edelstein's here. Pat Brady's here. Companies, gentlemen, where do you work? AL Media. And? Next Generation Strategies. Uh, let's go to Guy in Elgin. Been patiently waiting. 312-981-7200. Guy, what's your question? Hey, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, my question is, it comes down to pensions and taxes and interest we're paying on kicking the can down the road Mm -hmm. with more and more people leaving the state of illinois the increased tax base goes on to the people that are currently living here to try to make up everything that's missing when are the people in springfield going to get serious about sitting down and trying to address this issue properly once and for all to get it resolved i mean i'm one of those people looking at when i retire I may move out of state because my money's going to go further elsewhere instead of having to pay down all this past debt. And a lot of people Thank feel the same way you feel, Guy. Uh, I'm going to randomly pick Pat to answer this one. You know, it's a great question. Actually, there's a big piece of legislation that passed the House of Representatives yesterday that the governor put through trying to consolidate the municipal pensions. The problem is the Illinois Constitution guarantees that you can't diminish pensions. So we have this huge pension obligation, probably almost $10 billion on a $40 billion uh, budget that is sucking all the uh, all the air out of the room, and they need to reform that. But the problem is the Constitution prohibits d- diminishing those benefits, and the and the court, the Supreme Court of Illinois, hasn't seen fit to, uh, to to allow the legislature to do that. So it's it's a real problem. What you need to do, and this is what the governor wants to put this progressive income tax through to clear this up. But if we're going to do that, why don't we also push legislation through to amend the Constitution and, and get rid of this provision that protects pensions like it does? Anything you want to add to that, Eric? Well, yeah. I mean, the other thing I'd, I'd add is, um, you know, a lot of times those those sort of exposés on the politicians who are double-dipping as public servants and they get these extraordinary pensions. What gets lost in this is that the everyday workers who never missed a payment, who aren't entitled to Social Security, uh, were given a promise that they would have a pension at the end of their careers. And so we, we all agree, I think, that there needs to be reform and there needs to be change, but it shouldn't just be done on the backs of workers who did everything while the politicians used their pension payments as a credit card to not make decisions. I, I, I agree completely. They, a promise made, a promise has to be kept. But the reality is, going forward, we we need to, to reform this. And I think the governor, that's well, one of the But math sucks, because the math doesn't lie. You got this much money, you got to pay that much, they don't get together. So how do you make the math work? Well, the argument the governor's going to make here, and it's going to be a huge issue. He's going to try to amend the Constitution to switch the way we tax people in Illinois. The theory being that they're going to attack tax wealthy people more, but they define wealthy as above $250,000 in income. If that doesn't work, the next step, they're going to be down to the $100,000, $150,000 level. So that's going to be a big debate, but the governor wants to change the way we tax to raise money to, to, to alleviate somewhat this pension crisis. Can't we term limit everybody right now? Just start over. Like in every job? Every, just the politicians? No, just the politicians. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. But they were, and on both sides, on this pension for the last 40 years, been very irresponsible on giving a realistic 3% increases, not making payments in 2005 and 2006. And it's it's a it's a nonpartisan issue. Both sides did it. Texters 219, um, are Pat's true feelings in regards to Eric's political views the same as Eric's true feelings towards Pat? That's kind of personal, isn't it? I don't think so. Okay. Pat. Yeah. yeah. 
How do you feel about Eric uh, politically? You know, I've said this many, many times, and uh, and maybe this is a, <laughs> oh, a change in, 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 in direction. There's nobody I respect more than Eric. He is an uh, honest broker on this stuff. We've been doing this for 10 years. He's one of the smartest people I know. I mean, I've taught him everything he knows, not everything I know, but everything he knows. But I really mean that sincerely. I, I, we can fight all day long, but we walk out and make fun of Cochran on the way down the hallway. And yeah. that's not a lie. Yeah. No, I mean, as long as we're getting, being mushy, thank you, No, I might be mushy. I'm just, you know, but I, change I, the tone. Look, if if the Republican Party were more, would listen to Pat Brady nationally, we wouldn't be in the mess that we are today. And I have all the respect in the world for people who I disagree with, and Pat and I disagree on a lot, but we're both Americans, and we right. both believe in this country. And, uh, you know, he's the one that reached out and had me on this show. So um, I love doing stuff with Pat, and... Um, we're going to be uh, announcing our uh, engagement soon. Yeah, I'm the just, cottage you have. We're doing life. a location destination wedding, though. We are. Steve <laughs> and I are just very disappointed with both of you that you each respectively have not done more for your parties. I know, we're <laughs> trying. We're trying. Here's the, here's the thing that's, that seems to have been lost, and I don't know if you guys agree or disagree, but uh, when you're president of the United States, when you're governor of a state, even when you're representing a district, sure, you owe something to the party that helped you get elected, but you're representing everybody in the district. Amen. And the people that have been elected now seem more so than ever to only be concerned with the people who got them into office and could get them in office again. Has it ever been worse? Well, it's always been that problem. I mean, you, you, you go back to political science in the 60s, it'll, it'll tell you that fundamentally human nature, the job of every congressman is to get reelected. I think it has gotten so bad, though. And, you know, Pat and I, I think we, he and I, here's one thing we do agree with. There are more important things than winning or losing an election. And those more important things are the character of this country. And, um, you know, we are in a dark, dark place. And I think if we had more members who would be profiles and courage and do the right thing, it would help the situation. Unfortunately, that goes against human nature. Yeah, and I, I think there are a lot, and I know a lot of them, so does Eric, very decent, hardworking, dedicated people in the United States Congress right now that are getting drowned out by the echo chambers on both sides. And it's social media. It's the ascension of these cable news networks that all have an agenda. I do think that there are very good people there. We just need to reevaluate how this system works because right now it's really not working for anybody. Even watching yesterday, you're like, are we really here? Is this where the country yeah. is? I mean, we've right. got big issues to deal with. I mean, Erdogan and on one side and then the hearings, I'm like, what the heck is going on here? Right. You know, there, there's a great piece by uh, by Jill Lepore about impeachment. And this is to your point, I'm not taking sides, and this isn't my point, is that every time this country's done impeachment, it has had a fundamental change in our politics. For example, in Andrew Johnson, it basically created Jim Crow because they couldn't get Johnson out of office and he, he was a opposed, yeah. re, but he yeah. opposed Reconstruction, exactly. allowed those Confederate states back in, and it created it until really the 1960s in civil rights legislation. It created an era of Jim Crow. So the point being, Impeachment should never be done lightly. It is a huge consequence. Yep. And I think to your point, watching it yesterday, I'm not sure we all take how serious this situation yeah. is. Well, we talked it, about it yesterday that general public is either exhausted or completely bored. And I don't think bored is the right word. I think it's they don't feel like it affects them. Right. They don't but feel the like world, any, the thing I would, the world watches us. Right. To see what we're doing and it's such a And we're fallen as yeah. being a world leader, but how do we change the perception of the American public? How do we get people to not be bored and exhausted to me it's like going to the dentist you don't want to go you got to go you got to go vote next year and you have to do some research ahead of time you got to take some time to look at what's online and to read more than just the stuff you agree with 
um, and do a little research. But and you got to do it. But when you're busy and you got to pick up the kids and you're working and you've got to figure out what's for dinner and you got to pay the bills and you, well, how do you get that person to care enough? When they don't I, you know, feel like funny. anything that happens, you know in what? DC you go out, you go out, go out to Midway and watch the honor flight come back. Well, there's that, and, and then you go. You know, maybe maybe I should take a couple seconds and pay attention to see what World War. We got 355 days till the next election, and I get why people are fatigued and 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 feeling like well, it's not going to make any difference anyway. But it truly does if everybody does it. Yeah, and we are. I think she's right. We are all exhausted, and and Trump has created a level of chaos. You know he's he, he's the symptom of it. He's not the cause of it, but he's taken it to a level that is exhausting for most Americans. And in a way, that exhaustion plays to his strengths because he can create chaos and then everyone turns away. My worry is how do we ignite the spark back in the American public and in the citizens of America to care again because they it feels like it's going to actually make a difference in the world whether they pay attention. Yeah, I think they care, but I think you're saying the same thing. I think they care. It's a matter of whether or not they act. You I think know, you um, need somebody kind of, and it's not, it's different, and it's not, so it's not apples to apples, but in 1980, when Ronald Reagan, a 70 year old man, actually made America feel good about America again, that was inspiring, and he won 49 states in, in right. 1984. So I think it, it starts with the message that the leaders are presenting. And uh, lastly, and thank you, Pat, thank you, Eric, and go to LincolnForum.org for all information on uh, actual public uh, debate and exchange of ideas. Um, but uh, apparently, G is the whistleblower, according to two of our texters. Uh, G is the whistleblower. <laughs> uh, Dean's coming up. We'll talk to Dean, obviously, because that's why he's coming up, because we'll talk to him. Uh, so we'll get to that in just a couple of minutes uh, after uh, the news, which is about 30 seconds away. In the meantime, 312-981-7200. Sorry we can get to all the phone calls. Uh, another exciting edition of Ask Pat and Eric, hopefully coming soon. It's the uh, Steve Cochran Show featuring G. Suki, Dave Ennett, uh, Steve in the newsroom in just seconds, Mary Vandeville, there's Super Joe, and there's Viv, and as always, we thank you very much for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, live from where he works most of the time, Dean Richards, good morning. Oh, this isn't work. This is fun. Mm-hmm. It is kind of fun, right? I should pay them to do this. Ooh, shh, 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 shh. Uh-oh. We're giving out ideas now. That's Come on. on the record. So, I'm watching the CMA Awards last night. Yeah, do you wear a cowboy hat and six-shooter when you watch the show like I do? And chaps. Well, yeah, you I mean, always wear chaps. Kind of goes without saying, doesn't Even it? Even in the coldest weather, he wears <clears throat> chaps, which I give him a lot of credit for that. Now, here's the thing. Um, I believe, and I mentioned this to Nick DiGilio, I believe we can save the Oscars if we go with the same format, but instead of a lot of music during the Oscars, people come out and they do scenes from other people's movies. Hmm. Huh? That would be interesting. Right? <laughs> now here's Tom Hanks with a scene from Macbeth. Uh, you know, it's something like that. Could be interesting. So, did you enjoy the CMAs? I w- only watched uh, the tail end of it because I was at a, a movie screening last night. I, speaking of Tom Hanks, I saw his uh, Mr. Rogers movie, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, last night. But I did see the end of it, and I saw a lot of clips of it this morning. And uh, it's a fun, you know, it's it's a tight, fun show. There's uh, just you know a lot of good performances, a lot of positive energy. Uh, I haven't seen the ratings for it yet. Award shows have been suffering in ratings because of the internet. You know, people are able to get all the results, and I don't need to watch the show. So we'll see how uh, that uh, came out. But uh, yeah, good night, good night. Garth Brooks was named Entertainer of the Year, uh, record-breaking seventh time. Now that's uh, something. Um, Luke Combs and Casey Musgraves 
won the most awards of the night. They tied two apiece. I like Luke Combs because he looks like a guy who would be carrying the equipment, not the guy that would be out there singing. Yeah, that wouldn't be uh, the front and center guy. But he, he also won uh, Best Male Vocalist and Best Single of the Year. Casey Musgrave won uh, Best Male, uh, sorry, Best uh, Female Vocalist of the Year. That would be something if she won Best, <laughs> no. best Male Vocalist. That's how good she was. That's how good she was. She was the Meryl Streep of country music. She can do anything. Old Dominion won Best Vocal Group. Ashley McBride, Best New Artist. Uh, Maren Morris got Album of the Year for her uh, collection called Girl. And uh, Single of the Year, Blake Shelton's uh, God's Country. You want to hear a little montage of some of the performances? I would like that. Ready? Roll. performances last night this is the one i stopped everything i was doing and focused in and it was very emotional uh casey musgraves and 86 year old willie nelson uh singing rainbow connection uh willie's cool moment willie's voice not you know his, his, the willie voice that we've known for all of these decades he's been suffering some respiratory problems uh lately but I give him a lot of credit. He could have easily sat it out and, you know, not not got up there. But he uh, he sang the song, and it was beautiful, and it was great to see him. Uh, I, I thought one of the biggest highlights of the night. And country music does a nice job of respecting their elders. Uh, Loretta Lynn, Willie Nelson, right, right. all those folks getting a lot of love last night. All right, we'll right. come back, and we'll talk about the other stuff on Dean's mind. And some of the stuff I'll claim's on his mind. All right, back to a man named Dean. Not just any Dean, but one Dean Richards, live at Channel 9. Don't you want to know about the Tom Hanks movie? The Tom Hanks movie? A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood? Well, I, I do. I, I do. I saw it last night. We had a, what? We had a Chicago screening of it I last night. I, for, I forgot about it. Thank goodness you remembered to Are mention it. Are you going to be interviewing him soon, Dean? I'm going to New York to interview the whole cast of this wow. movie. Including the real Mr. Rogers' wife, uh, Joanne. Oh. Featured in the documentary, which we loved. She, exactly right. And uh, depicted in this movie. But uh, bring some Kleenex when you go see this movie. It's, uh, it is beautiful. It is one, an, another amazing performance from Tom Hanks. I think one of the best of the year. And it's not, um, it's not like taking the biography and just putting Tom Hanks in. It's not really a biographical telling of Mr. Rogers' life. It's how Mr. Rogers affected a magazine writer who was doing a piece on Mr. Rogers, whose life was kind of in shambles, and he was a very negative person. Steve, you wouldn't know anything about 
anything like that being, no. uh, being a negative. You know, but, My life being in shambles, certainly, but not the negative Not the part. negative part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and how Mr. Rogers affected this guy, um, it, it's, it, it was just so beautiful and so moving and so touching. It opens November 22nd. Monday, I'm going to be in New York. Can you tell us, because you can't review it because you'll be arrested by the review police. Right. Um, But can you tell us if Tom Hanks does the expected great job that he does with every other movie? Yes. Okay. Yeah, without a a doubt. Uh, I thought, thought, you know, watching somebody doing a Mr. Rogers impersonation kind of, uh, you know, would be cartoonish, but it's not. Like the way I do it. This, well, yours sounds like the Queen of England. Every impression oh, that Steve does. Oh, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Every impression that Steve does sounds like <laughs> the Queen of England for some reason. I, it I is don't odd. understand that. It is odd. Uh, but uh, I'm going to talk to the whole cast on Sunday at the premiere, and uh, we'll have some of that for you on Monday. Uh, and it's three hours and 45 minutes long? New. Oh. New, new, new. It's a very tidy, uh, it's actually under under two hours. I want to say it's about maybe 150, The way God intended every movie yeah. to be. No, it was beautiful. Just a, in, especially the, uh, Joanne Rogers, Mr. Rogers' widow, uh, I don't know if they're going to do this at all, the screenings of the movie, but they had a little intro of her saying, thank you for coming to this. Fred Rogers would have loved this, you know, introing the movie. But she said, in particular, in these times in which we're living right now that are so negative and so uh, divisive, uh, that she hopes that people will, if Mr. Rogers had any legacy, it's to be kind to each other. So you leave this movie and you just, I was hugging people. It was a little awkward in the theater right? Uh, as I was leaving in the parking lot, just <laughs> hugging strangers. <laughs> While you wept silently on their shoulders. Right. right. Hi, neighbor. Get away from me. Well, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it's good. To, uh, um, November right. 22nd. A couple of textures. 312, ask Dean who would win a WWE match, the Joker, Joe Pesci, or Mr. Rogers. Oh. um, Let's break this down. The Joker is nuts. Joe Pesci is nuts, but in a movie nuts kind of way. Yeah. I think Mr. Rogers, at his his prime now I'm talking about, in his prime, with his sneakers already on. I wouldn't mess with him. He's wiry. He he was a very physically fit person. He swam all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very very strong. But I I think what would happen is he'd get in the ring with Joker and Pesci, and uh, you know talk to them. <laughs> now what are you angry about, Mister Joker? You know sometimes we feel anger in our lives, <laughs> Mister Joker. Mister Joker, if we sat down and talked and you used your inside voice, we could probably get to the bottom of this, don't you think? Now, Mister Pesci. <laughs> I love you just the way you I am really are. freaked out right now. <laughs> Mr. Pesci, could you put down the baseball bat, please? <laughs> Wait, well, yes, I do. I do think you're funny like a clown. <laughs> but... Mr. Pesci, stop! Please, stop Mr. Pesci, it, stop. Please, please don't hit Mr. Postman with a baseball bat, Mr. Pesci. It's don't you it. just want to hit him both, G? I am really freaked out. You are <laughs> not. Like, I cannot. Neither of you are getting the whole Mr. Rogers kindness thing. Oh, please. Well, maybe if he was speaking. All right, 773. How can I write a letter to Tom Skilling? Dean? Oh, um, you take a piece of paper out. And, and then uh, you write on it? You write Put it, you put it in an envelope and send it to him. 2501 West Bradley Place? That's correct. 60618. Or okay. he's he's on Facebook. He's on Twitter. You can... I can give you a cell phone. Let me give his mobile number. Just, hey, tell you what. Here's his home address. And you can just stop by his house. He loves when people just stop by his house. You know what? Honestly... <laughs> 
It's an intrusion, but Tom's the one guy at his level who would just take you in and make you oh. dinner. Oh, hi. Yeah, it was, I was just making dinner, but come on in. Mr. Skilling, maybe we could talk about the fact that you're too nice. I, I love your high-pressure systems just the way they are. All right, well, let me jump back to the CMAs for a second. Who are the highest-paid country artists? Oh, the uh, Forbes magazine had a uh, big survey that came out uh, listing uh, such. Slim Whitman, number uh, one. Not Slim Whitman mm. uh, this year, I'm afraid. Boxcar Willie. But not uh, also not Boxcar Willie. Mm. But I uh, appreciate the stalling, though, while I try to find <laughs> Swim with Slim Willie. I had it right here. Boxcar Whitman. The number one uh, highest paid country singer is Luke Bryant. Forty uh, Bryant, $42.5 million this year. Most of that money coming from being a judge on American Idol. And then uh, after that, the uh, next highest paid, the Zach Brown Band, $38.5 million. I love those guys. They're uh, great. The Keith Urban, uh, earning uh, $35 million. Blake Shelton, thirty-two million, and Kenny Chesney, thirty-one uh, million. Wouldn't even Carrie civilians. Underwood would be top five? Wouldn't you think there'd top be top three? Wouldn't you think there'd be at least one woman? Yeah, in exactly. The whole top five. It's yeah, crazy. Carrie Underwood especially. How I, I uh, some people on social media this morning are saying how awkward it was because Carrie Underwood was up for Entertainer of the Year. Garth Brooks wins it, uh, but she had to come. You know, after losing. She, as one of the hosts of the show, had to come back out and say, let's hear it for Garth Brooks, and thanks, everybody. And after she just lost, I was like... Maybe that's another way to spice up the Oscars. Make the guys in the category that lose present the Oscar to the winner. I would love that. Right? Yes. Try to incorporate as many awkward and uncomfortable moments as possible. By the way, Dolly Parton looks 72 years old. Looks gorgeous. She sure does. Uh, 72 years old, and her net worth just surpassed $500 million. Wow. A lot of money for a kid that grew up in a house with 12 brothers and sisters and no plumbing. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good career. Well, Miss Parton, you're a rather formidable woman (laughs) in many ways. And I love, I really love you the way you are. (laughs) All right, last word. Who's the Grammy host? A uh, Grammy host they just announced this morning going to be Alicia Keys. Again. Oh, I love her. She did a great job last year. I can't wait for that. All right, buddy. Thank you. See you. All right, coming up. Uh, if you have a question on retirement for Bill Geiger, he'll be in here after 9. Uh, text it in. 312-981-7200. Uh, 312-981-7200. You can follow me on Twitter at Cochran Show and message me there if you like as well or tweet it there. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's get your questions for Bill Geiger cranked up. He'll be in here after nine o'clock and also coming up a brand new feature, Dave. You're going to be excited about this. I think, Yep. you know, on all the music reality shows, they have battles where they pit one artist against another, right? Coming up G and I for the first time in battle of the stupid news. <laughs> oh, I will have a stupid news story. True. She will have a stupid news story. True. We'll tell the stories. We'll compare. We'll talk about those stories, and then mm-hmm. you guys will vote on which story was stupider. You know, when it comes to battling over stupid stories, I can't see anybody beating you. I, listen, <laughs> I am the defending champ. Mm-hmm. This yeah. sounds stupid. Mine could be stupider. That's a great way to start it, Joe, right there. This sounds stupid. The newest, hottest feature on the show, Dave Ennett, Battle of the Stupid News. Yeah, I can't wait. 
Um, gee, I would say ladies first because I'm old fashioned. Okay, well, I've been stretching. Mm-hmm. I am prepared. I'm ready mm-hmm. for this challenge. Bring it. Okay, this comes from a small town in Georgia, and they are going to construct. Well, what's a- the headline? Oh, why don't we just build a big ass chicken? <laughs> Small Georgia town plans to build world record rooster. And uh, this rooster is going to be an enormous topiary chicken. What does that mean? Um, Topiaries are, you know, those beautifully crafted shrubs and trees. I think this is going to be a steel structure that's going to be covered with plant life. Okay. Okay. All right. So basically, this is in a small town uh, named Fitzgerald in Georgia. It's a town of about 8,700 people. They are going to construct this monstrous 62-foot rooster. That's a big chicken. It's going to cost $150,000. It's going to use at least 16 tons of steel. But the great thing is that they hope that this is going to bring a lot of tourism to their small town. And the what, town. what are they close to? Because if you're on a trip, would you actually go there to see the giant chicken? <laughs> well, or are they close enough to Atlanta where you could go to the Coke Museum and then go see them? They are apparently very well known for their... Um, they have wild... Okay, let me make sure I get this right. Wild Burmese chickens that have long roamed Fitzgerald. And I'm going to see where they're close to. It looks so, like. so if you're a town known for wild Burmese chickens, it makes total sense right. that you would have a 65-foot-tall topiary chicken right there in the oh, middle of your town. It looks like it's in between. Ooh, it's not near Atlanta at all. Not near anything. No. Who's going to water the chicken? Well, yeah, that's going to be a question, too. There's a course, question you uh, don't hear every day. Yeah, Who's going to water really the chicken? <laughs> but um, so apparently he's got some competition, though, because uh, there's a... 57-foot-tall chicken in Marietta, Georgia. That's a KFC chicken. And then there's also a um, giant topiary 59-foot Mickey Mouse in Dubai. So he said, screw it. Let's go to 62 feet. So this chicken is going to be 62 feet. I would have loved to have been in the city council meeting where they discussed this and had to have it approved. All right, who votes yay or nay for the topiary chicken? Well, one of the citizens, 26-year-old Justin Phillips, says uh, that this is stupid and a waste of money and said nobody's coming to Fitzgerald to see a giant chicken. (laughs) You know, it's that sort of naysayer that ruins the party for everybody. (laughs) Maybe this will be a huge deal for, where is it, Fitzgerald? Uh, Fitzgerald, Georgia. Fitzgerald, Georgia. Maybe this will be just the thing to put them over to the top. They go become one of America's must-see tourist attractions. A giant topiary chicken. Or as the headline specifically reads, why don't we just build a big-ass chicken? Yeah, it uh, it's, looks pretty far south even of Macon, Georgia. Okay. All right. Coming up, my story to challenge your story in Battle of the Stupid News. Is it going to be a big chicken? Or is it going to be a bracelet that gives you an electrical shock every time you try to spend too much money? <laughs> oh. We get back to Battle of the stupid news. Joe, do you have that correction that you needed to make? Or that we should make, I should say? Yeah, I'm still looking for the rule, but uh, as I understand it, the there is an age minimum for um, hockey players to play in the American Hockey League. So, in order so for- Kirby Doc would not have been in Rockford. He would have been back in the juniors. Yeah, with the Saskatoon Blades. So he would have gone. Which was the place I played. Oh, yeah? What position? Um, I was the Saskatoon Blades, the third, fourth, fifth string goalie. Whoa. Yeah. I thought you were the organist. I was, and then they said, we need a fifth-string goalie, and uh, that's when I played. I was the only guy in the league that had double runner skates. Yeah, I'm reading a story here from uh, Charlie Romeliotis, who uh, moonlights on the great Pat Boyle's um, Blackhawks Talk podcast. Mm -hmm. And he talked about 
um, Kirby Doc being eligible to play because it was an injury stint. Oh, okay. But yeah, he would not have been able to play for Rockford all season long just okay. under uh, an injury. Appreciate situation. the correction, Super Joe. Getting it done as always. But your point really was he wouldn't be with the Blackhawks. He wouldn't be with the Blackhawks. Yeah. He would. He would be somewhere else. Amazon is selling a bracelet that shocks you with an electrical shock every time you engage in a habit that you'd like to break. Wow. This is uh This is called Pavlock, P A V L O K. So let's go around the room. Steve, what habit would you like to break? Steve well, Grzanich, what, what habit would you like to break? Oh man, eating. I overeat. I will second that. In my case it's chocolate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm a complete mm-hmm. chocolate head. Uh Dave Habit you'd like to break. Boy, it's tough when you're perfect. You know what I mean? I know. <laughs> you know what? Can you get back to me on this? <laughs> See? Yeah. No. Wow. Jay, haven't you like to break? So many. Just pick one. Overeating, overdrinking, overspending. Overspending. We'll leave you overspending. Okay. Mary Vanderbilt. Eating too many chips. Chips. Yeah. Oh, chipaholic. Okay. Bad. Okay. Uh, Viv, you have a habit you'd like to break? I mean, you're 26 years old. How could you have a bad no, habit? No, I'm perfect. So you and Dave Another are very Dave in it. I, I got one. Oh, you got one? Yeah. Chewing gum. You That's chew a lot of gum? That's not a bad habit. What's wrong gum. with this? It it's yeah. not a good habit. Yeah, I shouldn't choose it. I suppose it's sugarless. It's, sugar, it's sugar-free, but well, still. Of course I mean, it is. Of it's sugar-free and laced with kale. This is how deep you stop. have to dig to find something that could potentially be a little negative Well, it's a world. habit I'd like to. So, Joe, you, you got a habit you want to break? Yeah, I got to stop giving Dave gum. <laughs> Ooh, I owe Super Joe Dave gun. could quit being perfect. <laughs> oh, that please. would be good. For yeah. $200, you can get this and charge it, and it'll give you 150 electrical zaps per day. They say the zap is not a lot, but it will be remembered. He said it's... <laughs> It's it's sort of like when you're in stocking feet and you rub your uh, feet on the uh, rug and then you touch the door handle. You know, that kind of shock. Mm-hmm. Annoying, but it's not going to kill you. Uh, this costs about 200 bucks. You have an app that goes with it. Let's say you want to quit smoking. You would click the app for the... As I understand how this works, I could be wrong, but as I understand how this works, you click the app for the smoking protection or the overeating protection, anything that would involve raising your hand to your mouth. And then, for as long as you'd like it to be set, when you raise your hand to your mouth, you get zapped. You want to hear it again? It's it's kind of like an electric fence for people. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. It's invisible fencing for people that you can wear on is your wrist. Is it named Pavlock after Pavlov? I think so. Mm-hmm. So classical conditioning yeah, happening so. here? Yeah. This is called aversion behavior conditioning. Aha! ABC. And the idea would be it's such a negative uh, thing that it's putting in your brain for that. <laughs> that. It creates an association of negativity where you wouldn't want it again. So how will it know that I'm overeating or overspending? Well, Again, or eating a chip. Well, there's uh-huh. an app. So if you feel you're headed for the danger zone and you're going to do one of your overeating things, you just click on the app. Oh, okay. So you're going, I can avoid these chips. I can avoid these chips. Ten minutes later, you're not thinking about it. You go get the chips and... <laughs> Who the heck's going to turn the app on? Yeah, I think that there's one one more step in there than's needed. I think it needs yeah. to know that you're going for the food and then zap you. Yeah. Well, then am I wrong? Isn't that how this app works? Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, otherwise, it really it would have to, otherwise it would have to have a camera on you to watch you 24-7, and then a guy would have to push a button. There actually is a manual button on this this thing as well. So if you want to punish yourself, 
you know, you reach for the chocolate and then you zap yourself. That's another way to train yourself, though I'm assuming that would be slower. Is there a yeah. remote control where someone else could oh, zap yeah. See, now Dave's on to something. Have your significant other be able to press yeah, the there button. You go. Well, they could That's download the app, I suppose. That oh, this sounds, would be quite that fun. That sounds too dangerous. I mean, <laughs> yeah. what if you're mad at the you're mad at your partner? You can just zap them all day. Imagine you'd in be, a divorce. You'd, you'd be zapped all day. <laughs> Oh, this is going to be yeah. cause so, a lot of problems. It's one ninety nine ninety five on uh, Amazon Pavlock. So here's my question: Which story was dumber on Stupid News Battle? Was it G's giant chicken or my self shocking bracelet? Hey, my hundred and fifty thousand dollar chicken versus my two hundred dollars self shocking bracelet. Mm-hmm. Habit breaking self shocking bracelet. They were both pretty dumb. <laughs> they were both dumb. There's no question. But we need a vote, Viv. You mean um, dumb as in a dumb par- product? Stupid news. Stupid? Which story was stupider? Don't overthink it. Which yeah, story was no. stupider? stupider. Uh, I would say chicken. Chicken stupider? I agree. Chicken was stupider. Chicken stupider, Dave? Yeah, I'm, I love topiary, but... Uh, you gotta go with the <laughs> chicken? Go chicken. <laughs> yeah, me chicken. too. I go on the chicken. Well, Steve, uh, you know... Sorry, Steve. All right. No whammies, no whammies. Big chicken. All right, so it's all Whoa, chicken all the time. what do I win? I what have do I win? Never Chicken. Been, win a padlock. I have never been beaten in my selection of stupidity ever <laughs> over the course of my career. You have just defeated the master, me, when it comes to stupidness. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel yeah, so honored. I wish there was a theme for this, some sort of music that would exemplify your victory. Do I win something? Yeah. The joy of going around and telling people <laughs> that you found a stupid... You know what? As a matter of fact, I have an idea. Here's what you win. What, $20? You and, giant, you and your giant chicken. Here's <laughs> You're opening your wallet. What's Here's happening? Here's $10. Go out and get yourself a chicken sandwich from oh Popeye's. Oh, my goodness. It's a real $10. That's an actual $10 bill. Go get yourself wow. a chicken sandwich Can to celebrate those, your giant uh, chicken. Can I get one of those money pins to test this? Anybody got one of those that you changes hold, you color? Just, you just hold it up to the light. You can see the uh, see if it's got the strip Oh, yes. It. It's oh, got the okay. watermark. Yes, mm-hmm. Dave's in Lombard. Dave. Hello. Yeah, what do you got for me? Very simply, if you don't want to spend $199 to get your bad habits stopped, you put a rubber band around your wrist and snap it every time you are thinking you about the bad habit. Yeah, there you go. kind of yeah. hurts and you forget the bad habit. Are yeah. a genius, sir. Yeah, exactly go. right. You could yeah. do several rubber bands, like especially the thick ones. What that if would you, really hurt. If, you, if you're a guy yeah. and you don't want to wear a rubber band, punch yourself in the face. Every time you, <laughs> instead of reaching for the well, chocolate, just punch yourself right in the face. I can't think of anything cheaper than that. You know, you know, Dave, it's the headache aversion therapy, too. A long time ago, we learned this. Uh, I believe it was an Asian uh, uh, philosopher at one point who came up with this. But the idea would be if you have a headache and it's a really bad headache and you can't stop thinking about the headache, take a ball-peen hammer and smash your toe. You won't be thinking about the headache at all. Well, it's the same concept. I agree. All right, there my friend. Go. Thank you for calling. I appreciate it. That's That's what some... I remember going to a chiropractor years ago, getting my neck adjusted, and they said they tell you to wiggle your toes. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Yep. And then they crack your neck. Do you know what would happen if I ordered this Zap bracelet? I would be wearing the Zap bracelet, ordering my stuff on Amazon Prime, eating the chips, <laughs> and being zapped all at once. Well, you know, this could happen. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. It could happen. Uh, by the way, somebody said Cliff Clavin on Cheers had this idea for a zapper years ago. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you, Nomi, what you got there is a bracelet. You got a bracelet on your wrist, and that bracelet will zap you. What do you think? And that was probably in the 80s. $200. Uh, another text. Well, how about your $28,000 chicken or whatever it was? $150,000. No, that's right.
Yeah, but it'll bring in tourism money. Allegedly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 217. Steve, I'm sure you've seen or driven past the place on I-55 heading to St. Louis south of Litchfield that has an assortment of big things. There's a giant ice cream cone, a huge pink elephant, a UFO-looking structure, which, by the way, had actually been somebody's house. And it's just north of the Springfield Capital Airport for decades and more large, odd structures. If you were going to build a large structure, what, what object, structure, who would you be paying homage to? I would build my forehead. <laughs> yeah, I would, build, wow. I would build a life-size version of my skull. You just showed me an old uh, headshot of yourself. Yeah, about 30 years ago. Yeah, and uh, the, yeah, it was, it's, it's amazing. Dave, take a look at this. I mean, right? it was still, I, I, he yeah, was still trying to hold on to his hair at that time. Yeah, I remember Look at that. Get that sexy way. back. Whoa. I know. Normally, if, I, if I hold this up, we can do this with CFTA. Are this a bedroom eyes? If I hold this I up, I look like my own father. Is it no- like... <laughs> normally, we can't see stuff in the cameras like that, but uh-huh. that you can see that forehead <laughs> perfectly so in the cameras. It's so powerful. Right? That's yeah. what I'm saying. I mean, what is, what's happening? Mary Vandeveld and I want to know. Those are like, come hither. I That look, it's uh, from the well, bedroom. You know, I told you a long time ago, the goatee uh, is not really a goatee. It's a distraction. <laughs> so I, I grow the goatee as a distraction. This look, this look like I'm about to... Say something very suave. Or take your car. Yeah. Uh, that look is uh, really like, the distraction. It could be suave or it could be a full-on serial killer. Just kidding. Evil. That look yeah. is the guy your mother warned you about. <laughs> That's it right there. couple of uh, textures. Habit I'd like to break shopping on Amazon so I don't buy stupid stuff like that. Uh, in that sense, there's another person about the bracelet. It wouldn't stop you from overeating or smoking, but it would stop you from touching your face ever. <laughs> I suppose that's possible as well. This bracelet reminds me of the time my sister tried to quit smoking and she had the patch on and she was smoking. And I said, you know that this is not how it's supposed to work. Not so much. Not so much. Sven, final texture, says the chicken story rules. Eat it, Steve. That's final. Congratulations again to G. Big winner. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, team. Thank you, listeners. Now, Bill Geiger's here, and good morning to you, sir. Hey, good morning, Steve. How's everything? Well, I'm fine. All fine. Wonder- What's the number over there at Geiger Wealth Management? Do you know it? 800-681-2498. Got a bunch of people firing in with questions before we get to the root of the stuff I want to talk to you about, but uh, this comes up a lot. How old should I be when I take Social Security? It it depends. I know that's not the answer you want to hear or the caller wants to hear, but it depends upon your personal situation. What are the trigger points for 62 versus 65 or 67? 62, 66 and three quarters, 70 and a half. It kind of depends upon how much you need the money right now. In general, if the longer you wait, the bigger your Social Security check is going to be for the rest of your life. Um, you know, you may decide to take it early, but when you're 70 and a half, you may regret for the rest of your life that you're not having a bigger paycheck. So we like to sit down and do some uh, analysis work with folks so we can tell them that easy. Um, should I get an annuity? These are all questions from listeners. Uh, if you're looking for dependable income that you can sleep at night and it's safe, you don't have to worry about it, then yes. But at least for a part of your portfolio. But in, in loose terms, and correct me if I'm wrong, you help people create their own annuity. Well, yeah. You help them create their own pension, if you will. Right. 
Um, I know people ask this uh, all the time, um, and it's a tough one to answer as well, but um, should I think about my medical expenses first when I'm trying to budget the rest of my life? You know, and figure out what I need for retirement because you know you got to assume you're going to need some money to pay off your medical expenses. Well, yeah, and the the figures on this are are just absolutely amazing, Steve. The average person will be out of pocket a quarter of a million to three hundred thousand dollars during their retirement for medical expenses. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah, that's the average. And so you you uh, have an emergency money. And you also work at building up your portfolio so that if you need it, it's there. And the lottery generally is not the safest play you could make for that? Uh, it doesn't always work. <laughs> doesn't always work. We'll come back into the meat of things here with uh, Mr. Geiger. If you're on the right track getting ready for retirement, good for you. Do you know for sure? Is your portfolio a little risky at this stage of your life? Will your money last? Bill and the team at Geiger Wealth can help make sure you're on the right track preparing for what should be the best years of your life. They've got a special opportunity for you. They're going to work with you one-on-one to create your personalized, full-blown plan for retirement. And you'll be sure you're truly prepared for the next 20 or 30 years of your life. The good years. This personalized retirement plan is completely complimentary for the first five callers who have at least $500,000 saved for retirement. 800-681-2498. 800-681-2498. Geiger Wealth's proprietary retirement planning process was created for you to take the guesswork out of getting ready for retirement. And together, you're going to create a common-sense plan that's as unique as you are. You'll learn the steps you need to take right now to retire safely and comfortably. Call Geiger Wealth now and be a part of this. Get your complimentary, personalized, full-blown retirement plan. All the details at 800-681-2498, 800-681-2498. More of Bill in a second. More listener questions and uh, stuff I need to ask him as well. Hey, look, I'm no spring chicken, Dave. I'm that. no topiary chicken. No, you're not. Definitely not. Our friend Bill Geiger's here from Geiger Wealth Management. A couple more listener questions, Bill, if you don't mind here. Absolutely. Um, should I take my pension in a lump sum? It. If if you were sitting in front of me, and 99% of the time I would say absolutely yes. You can create your own personal pension and not have to rely upon your ex-employer to make good decisions for the rest of your life in their pension plan. So you'd be in control of how your investments are yeah, when you need them the most. absolutely. Because you don't know what's going to happen. We sat down in front of an airline per, uh, employee the, the other yeah. day. Their their pension got taken over by the PBGC. Okay, they have a half a pension for the rest of their life. Well, that's heartbreaking. Yeah, and backbreaking. And, and if they took a lump sum, they could have done that differently. When do you take the lump sum? Like after you retire or before? Well, it's, it's just at the time you retire. Uh, the, okay, sorry, yeah. I didn't know. That's fine. Um, how do I know if I'm paying excessive fees if I have a money manager now? That's a general question, I know, but uh, how do you know? Well, here's what you want to do. I know we've been trying to focus on fees, but but you should really focus on what kind of returns are you getting mm-hmm. after the fees. It, you can't just it's not a commodity. If if somebody's returning fifteen percent a year to you after fees, call Pay me em. call me and give me their give me their number. <laughs> okay, because you're gonna hire them. Pay them. Listen, if if somebody told you you had a pair of airline tickets for five hundred dollars, is that a good deal? Um, if you had a pit, well, it depends on where you're going. It depends on where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. If it's two tickets to Paris first class. For 500 yeah, it's for, a hell of a good deal. deal. So yeah. it's, it's what you're getting right. is, is the important thing. It's a little but harder to nail that down, but it's important. But it's funny, right? Because too, too many times we get caught up in that's how they get you. You know, we're too worried about, oh, uh, this guy trying to snake me for money. Fact is, 
Um, I've had agents throughout my career because that's what you do in this business. Mm-hmm. I've had good agents and bad agents. Yeah. Um, but if I have an agent who is returning like you're returning, yeah. you know, 15, 20, 30, 40 percent more than I could have gotten on my own. Yeah. But whatever you need. Be happy. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, all right. Uh, a lot of people come to you all the time and, and they say, why is it always the late 50s and early 60s? Why is that the sweet spot for retirement? Steve, it's a, it's a different part of your life. If you're late 50s, early 60s, your portfolio really should not look like a 30-year-old's anymore. 30-year-old can blow themselves up. They've got 30 years to make it back again. Your late 50s, early 60s, you don't have 30 years and a big loss at this stage of your life will change the rest of your life yeah, in crippling. one way or another. So you, you, it's that's why we specialize. That's why we focus on this particular age category, because it, it, we need to get the message out. We need to help people change from a too risky portfolio to one that's just right for their retirement. CG, you can you got thirty years to fix this. I don't know. I'm nervous. Oh, we're just kidding around with G, who likes to tell me what a financial tragedy she is off the air. <laughs> no, but I think, uh, yeah, d- but you're right. It's a totally different depending on where you are. It's a different look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can swing the you can swing the bat, try to hit the ball over the fences. So I can be more risky with you my can, investments. Absolutely, but you don't want to do that late 50s, early 60s. Now, having said that, you've uh, said to my son and other people who you've met or younger like G that um, save everything you can right now. Yes, every dollar you can. There's no downside to that. Yeah, no and and at this stage of your life, G, it's more powerful to save than, believe it or not, what you're actually investing in. So you said max out the 401k, mm-hmm. which yep. is like $19,000. Mm-hmm. I, I can't subtract $19,000 from my salary. You, you will name your first child after me. Oh. You will name your first child 401k. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, is, I, if, if someone actually maxing out their 401k, I want to know. If somebody's in their 30s and early 40s and they're sure, maxing they it out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, oh, no question about it. doing so well. Um, should uh, a financial consideration be a consideration to retire early? And by that, I think the listener means, uh, I think I'm doing okay. Um, I think I can get out maybe at 55. Um, should it be all about the money? Well, it should be about the plan. Paying for your life. It should be about the plan, because when you stop working, there's no more paychecks. If you can plan to replace those paychecks, and you know how you're going to pay your bills throughout your retirement, with some comfort there, and you want to, then feel free to retire early. But but make sure that you're set up correctly to do that. Uh, the the uh, people that come in and see all the time, I know there's a FAQ, a frequently asked questions thing that come up all the time. I know there's interesting uh, chemistry that goes on between couples in what one wants, maybe the other doesn't. They haven't exactly talked it all out before they sit down with you. How do you how do you maneuver that just as a professional? Well, it, what ends up happening is we do a lot of educational stuff, Steve, and and we have multiple meetings, and the couples go home and they talk. Mm-hmm. They talk about what we talked about, and in general, they, they kind of. This is the lovely thing about working with couples; they work it out and they get on the same page, and then they're both. And, and sometimes this is the first time this has happened financially mm-hmm. with respect to retirement. They're on the same page, and they're comfortable. And they, I, I mean, that's a, a lovely thing to see. How do you, I never asked this. How do you feel about reverse mortgages as you know, a way to tap your home for equity? Again, I know it if depends you, on the situation, if, but if you need the money. If you really, really need it, 
Yeah. It seems like not? a good vehicle. Sure. Why not? Right. Yeah. You if you really cash need it. sitting there. If you really need it, but I kind of look at it as kind of last resort. Right. It's a great safety net. Yep. Um, all right. So uh, let's talk about what you do, uh, you know, for these folks who call in. And the number again is what? 800-681-2498. You always talk about taking a risk out. Taking yeah. the risk out, yeah. all that, and yeah. you've got the, the state-of-the-art tips and tricks and machinery and software and all that yeah. to figure out how risky my portfolio is, right? We do, and and Steve, I might mention that you know you've heard us before talk about a complimentary full-blown retirement right. plan, and a lot of times I get the question when we're sitting down, how can you do that? And and the answer is we learned a long time ago, uh, it kind of sort of works well for. Both the client and us, Mm -hmm. they're not looking at their watch trying to worry about what this is costing them. And we're not looking at the watch either. And what ends up happening is we get a lot of good educational work done in the planning process. And and the reason it works out for us is most couples end up becoming clients at the end of this. Right, because it's the first success they've had right there with you. Yeah, and they're yeah. comfortable, and, and we go ahead and help them manage their portfolio going forward. So it's it's a win-win on both sides. Well, if you think you're on the right track and uh, ready for retirement, again, good for you. But we highly recommend you do pick up the phone at 800-681-2498 and talk to Bill Geiger's people and get that complimentary full-blown retirement plan. If you've saved $500,000, you're off to a good start. But let's make sure you can pay for all the good years of your life. And Bill, as always, it's great to see you. Amen. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, sir. Steve Cochran Show continues. More on the mayor today, I'm in all likelihood. And uh, her claim that Uber is paying black ministers, black churches, black ministers, as much as $57 million uh, so that they'll make a lot of noise and fight against her um, much higher ride fees suggestion and, and, and push so that she is able to pay for all the debts that the city has. Um, you're an Uberer. Sure am. You paying attention to the story? Yes, I was. Yeah, I was. Um, you know, there's apparently there was um, a friend of mine um, was really upset about the the extra tax. It's been it's a lot for her, especially. Yeah, what's it going to be? Um, I don't. I mean, I don't know specifically, but I know for her, she was talking about how it doesn't matter from what neighborhood you're coming from or going to. It's the same no matter what. And then there's a huge tax um, if you're if the ride originates or ends in the loop area. Um, and uh, I don't know how close it is to getting moved along or not. Do you? I, I really don't know. Okay. Let me move to some show business money news for a second. Matt Damon, in interviews for the new movie Ford versus Ferrari, called himself the dumbest actor of all time when someone brought up the fact that he had a chance to have a back-end profits deal on Avatar in 2009. He was offered... Keep in mind, I could have bought Apple stock at 5 bucks, and I turned that down. So who's an idiot here? Uh, well, we all are at different times. But anyway, uh, Damon turned down a deal that would have given him 10% share of the profits uh, for Avatar in, two th- in 2009, and he said no. <laughs> so 10 times 100 billion times 10 let me save you the, well, Let me save you the math. It would have made him $250 million richer oh, oh, oh. than he is. Oh, goodness. Ouch. He says, I do like the fact that I'm allowed to say with pride, I'm the dumbest actor of all time. Last year, the 49-year-old told GQ that the director, James Cameron, said 10% of the profits if he'd played Jake Sully, a role that later went to Sam Worthington. I've left more money on the table than any other actor. Seriously, I'm an idiot. Well, it's one of the reasons we like Matt Damon. 
that he calls himself an idiot. I mean, I'm going to look up his me- I mean, net worth. I mean, it's not like he... I know he lost a lot of money, but he probably has a lot of money anyway. Oh, he does have a lot of money. But if you look at something and you go, I just gave up $250 million, that's a lot. Well, he's worth about, a, according to I mean, just a quick Google search, it's $170 million, So It's not bad. No. I mean, and uh, Sam Worthington did a fine job in that movie, I thought. I, I, yeah, I thought I liked, so, too. Yeah. So, and then uh, an, another, uh, uh, maybe an odd couple here, but Brad Pitt and Adam Sandler, uh, they sat down with Variety to talk uh, into the Variety folks for the Variety Studio Actor on Actors program. And one of the things they got into was, what's it like to be recognizable, and do you have a life? And they're two of the more recognizable faces, obviously. And it turns out it's not so easy. Brad Pitt said, I put on a dinosaur mask once, and I guess still got recognized in New York City. He says, I don't know what it is, especially when people grow up with you. Now, I'm, of course, I don't want to criticize the person interviewing him, Steve, but I'd be curious why he had a dinosaur mask at the ready. Yeah, I, and yeah, that's a very good question. I want to know more. Um, if, you, if you have a character, Adam Sandler says, it's a good thing to go out with. He said at one point, <laughs> I was skiing one time, had the helmet on, the dickie was up in the goggles, and I thought this could be a fun day. Nobody's going to ask any questions about movies and i could just be with my family he said it was seven in the morning and uh i'm walking out uh, ready to go skiing and i'm covered up and someone goes hey adam sandler and he pulled off the hat and the goggles and all that and said well how, how'd you know it was me he said that big nose of yours i'd spot you anywhere <laughs> uh, has it, that happened to you before where you feel like you're you have a hat, sunglasses on, and then someone recognizes you? I like when people say hi. Now, it used to happen a lot more than it does now. They would used, know you, when Steve. When I used to do a lot of TV. By your walk. By the that's, mosey? Yep. That's how they know you. <laughs> the mosey, yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember once I was walking on Western Avenue in Ukrainian Village. I had a hat, my hair in a ponytail, sunglasses. Not because I was trying to hide. From, I mean, I wasn't anyone important. But it was just one of these things where I was just looked horrible because I had a long, late night. So I was trying to save everybody from having to look at me. And uh, somebody driving by was like, hey, G! I was like, how did, I don't even look like, I don't even recognize myself. I look horrible. Yeah, people go, well, I don't understand why celebrities get upset. Celebrities on any level get upset about being recognized. Um, but if you're having dinner with your family and uh, somebody comes up and they interrupt dinner, I can understand why people would go, hey, Aww, can I meet you outside or whatever. Are, these are good problems to have. Well, they're huge. They're unbelievable yeah. great problems to have. And I, like I said, I used to happen a lot when I was on TV, not so much anymore. Partly because I'm elderly. Probably because they recognize your voice. I bet they can hear you talking. Oh, no, I get then. recognized a lot, but I mean, not like not like the old days. Plus, I'm no longer doing any of the skin flicks that well, I did back you, then, too. You know, yeah, you quit. Uh, That's how I met that. Dave. You quit doing your side hustles, <laughs> you know? That uh, side hustle that made you really recognize Totally. Texture says, Steve, I've seen you out in Naperville a couple times at dinner and breakfast. Wanted to say, hey, moron, but I've refrained. Next time I'll speak up. Please do. Dave, don't you like meeting people? Yes, absolutely. I joke about, you know, the fact that I don't like people. I like people. Oh, you love people. I've seen yeah. you in those situations. Well, I, I love meeting I love yeah. meeting listeners, yeah. Uh, and viewers. I see TV. Give them away. Hi, fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, do we have anything more on the Uber story as far okay. as Costco? So, basically, one of the complaints was that with the new hike in the taxes, that it could disproportionately affect people in poor neighborhoods. Okay. Because um, the taxes applied, 
the same way across all neighborhoods, except for the loop. The loop is um, a more expensive. But the pro for this is that it's going to help uh, with congestion, fight traffic jams, and then also the CTA ridership has been down, which hopefully it will send people back on the CTA uh, see, as well. This is interesting to me because I don't live in the city. Uh, you know, I come in and out from the burbs. Um, and I come in and go out at, you know, times that are not the normal times. I mean, I'm in here before 6 o'clock in the morning, and I'm I'm back out in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. Who, who am I kidding? 10.30. <laughs> um, so because of that, I don't have to deal with the rush hour stuff. And the only time I'm downtown other than that are, right. you know, holiday shopping, you know, <laughs> you know, appearances, things like that, going to a game. So it's not a lot. But I'm told by you and a ton of other people that congestion has gone up dramatically. Absolutely, because and it's Uber. It's Uber and Lyft. It's all the ride sharing. Um, one of the this is from a Crane Chicago um, business article. Uh, a new city from Chicago says that uh, during a typical evening rush, nine thousand three hundred twenty-six drivers complete twenty-nine thousand eight hundred seventeen passenger trips downtown. And uh, many, if not most of those trips, only carry a single passenger. So they kind of hog an estimated 26 downtown lane miles. Wow. So now with the tax, the flat rate total tax, it's between 72 cents to $3. And the $3 tax is really for downtown trips that either originate downtown or in downtown during peak hours. From well, what's it cost to you to 10. get to work? 10, 15 bucks? Well, I there's all these incentives, so I pay for an Uber. Yeah, it's anywhere between ten to fifteen bucks, unless it's surging. Like but that's one way. That's one way. So when it's snowing, it could be up to twenty, twenty-five dollars. Um, but the people were worried about, you know, could this be a tax, especially on the poor, where there's gaps in transportation provided in. Um, you know, disenfranchised neighborhoods. But truth be told, the study says that the tax is really going to affect people that do the private rides because there's an option of doing a private ride or a pool ride. Do you know what mm-hmm. a pool ride is where you ride with other people? It's so your trip takes a little bit longer. And most of the rides that originate from um, those neighborhoods tend to be pool rides. And pool rides, actually, the cost will go down 10% for the tax. So How do they it's do- really affecting people that can take the single rides. Frank's got a good idea. Let me go to Frank here. Frank, fix this problem, Frank. Well, a lot of people don't know that the four venues of McCormick Place, O'Hare, Navy Pier, and uh, Midway Airport, the city's already collecting a tax of almost $6 on top of the of the fare that Uber and Lyft are collecting. So a friend of mine, we did... We did a uh, pencil to the paper, and the city's collecting about $3 million uh, a month from those four venues for the tax that's collected. It's a little ridiculous. And that's just over and above. That's above and beyond what we already would pay. Right. And in in addition to that, um, if the mayor wants to relieve congestion, if that's the objective, then put a cap on the number of total drivers. There's Uber, Lyft drivers, and Via drivers all over the place. That's the deal, If congestion is the problem, then put a cap on the drivers. uh, Frank, thank you, man. That's a great idea, I think. Why wouldn't that work? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, That's something that would have to be self-policed by Uber, Lyft, and Via, and all the other ride-sharing apps. But just to clarify on this Chicago study, more than 50% 
percent of the Uber and Lyft trips hailed on the south and west sides are shared rides, and ninety percent of the trips from um, these areas are going to other neighborhoods. So they're not going to be affected by the downtown tax. Uh, meanwhile, about seventy percent of the trips hailed on the north side and downtown are private, which means most of the new revenue will come from Chicagoans, hopefully that can most afford it. So that's their that's the city's argument. Okay. And, so, yeah. and, and and the story continues. Yeah, but yeah, and that guy is totally true. The caller that just called. Whenever I have to go to McCormick Place, it's going to cost me twenty five or more. Yeah, and if there's an unlimited amount of drivers, it could be somebody that drives one day a week or two days a, a week. A lot of people, a lot of uh, stay at home uh, parents, uh, and then they're just tooling around waiting for a fare. Yeah, supplementing their income. I met a guy that just does it. He just takes two rides a day. One, he picks a ride up on his way into downtown from the suburbs yeah. and he takes someone home on the way out. So, Seems to be efficient. Yeah, it's his lunch money. Sure, there said. you go. Um, uh, Mark Carmen is uh, getting married, what, in a couple weeks, Dave? I think it's the uh, end of the month. <clears throat> and I got a thank you card for the um, the present we got him on the air. Remember we had listeners vote as well? Yeah. yeah I wasn't here. That's why he was on the air. <clears throat> the right, exactly. Right. I forgot we got him. What was it? Cheese? Uh, cheese cutter? Cheese slicer? I hope you didn't get him just egg cheese. Egg beater? <laughs> I mean... No, we got, got him a, 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 a hand gift. mixer? No, it was a hand mixer. That was it. But there were two gifts. Anyway, um, the audience here, th- this is the best audience I've ever worked for, and it continues to be. And the audience here uh, likes updates on this stuff. So I'm going to tell you that two things. One, Carmen's still getting married, and one, the hand mixer showed up, and the other, the hand mixer showed up. Uh, but we'll get an update on Carmen's uh, uh, wedding coming soon, and uh, you know, as always, it's just an opportunity for me to say thank you to the people that listen to this show every day and listen to this radio station every day. Because, Dave, you go all the way back to when Benjamin Franklin was here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he did a great show, Poor by the Dave. way. Yeah, Franklin in the Morning. <laughs> no Remember no that? one's been able to live up to it, right, Dave? Remember his jingles? Franklin in the Morning. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and oh, oh, we got a highball glasses and a garlic press. Oh, that that's was right. It, it was the we garlic rocker. The hand mixer. It was the garlic rocker, that and then you it. rock it on the garlic and minces it so, garlic for you. So that, that was just from here. I still got to get him a regular wedding gift, right? So, assuming I'm actually at the wedding, I'm not totally sure yet because I have a football game that day in Champagne. We mm-hmm. don't know what time the game is, but if mm-hmm. I'm there. Mm-hmm. So you've been invited. Oh, wow. I think you're the only one that's been invited. I want to see the invitation. Okay, maybe I shouldn't have said <laughs> oh, that on Dave. the air. But I was thinking maybe I could do some interviews, like interview some of the guests and, and get some uh, I audio. like that. <laughs> I thought you might. I like that. Well, you are looking live yeah. at the bride of we the groom. We have a meeting about this. Dave, it's you need somebody idea. to stand in if this uh, game interferes with the wedding? It's a good idea. Yeah, I'll step up. Or you could bring Joe as a guest. No, Super Joe doesn't want to go to the game. I mean, to oh. the wedding. He wants to go to the game and call oh, the game. Oh, I see what gotcha. you're saying. And I was talking about the wedding, but either or works for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's at 9.55. But anyway, a convoluted uh, way to get around to the same point. Thank you for the support. You always show this show in this station. That's it. Wait, so how did the Mark Carmen's wedding gift come up? Explain I was just giving an update, update to, oh. to listeners. <laughs> because the Energy? I don't remember. What yeah, yeah well, either. the garlic yes, rocker. Vivian, uh, Steve, Super Joe, and I were in the uh, the office. We That's were... what they used to call Bill Left, the garlic rocker. Oh, you ordered right. without when he was, me. When he, he was well, a front man for his band. It was really, Steve was just tickled by this Bill highball. Bill and the herbs. He, you remember you were so tickled by this highball idea. Yeah. Because you don't drink and you were like, uh, do they still uh, make uh, these highballs? Yeah, and also just, uh, that's a funny name, highballs. 
That's not, yeah, but the garlic good. thing, that was kind of <laughs> lame. Uh, thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, it's 9.56. Uh, we'll she's just back. jealous she didn't get the garlic press. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Uh, she's jealous. I, I didn't get garlic. She's don't... jealous I wasn't around when she was married. <laughs> she's going to be renewing her vows soon, so uh, you have an opportunity. <laughs> no, Me? <laughs> yeah, I was talking about that. <laughs> uh, a little less than a minute before the Bill and Wendy show. Hi, Bill and Wendy. Hello, Steve. Greetings. <laughs> Greetings to you, too. What are you guys doing today? Uh, do you know this restaurant called Chuck's House of What Are You Eating Tonight? They're coming uh, that's, in. They're coming in? They're coming in. Yeah, that's the worst meal plan service ever. <laughs> they are by far the worst yeah. of all time. They're trying to change all that, so they're coming in. <laughs> I have never heard of this place. Oh, yeah, Chuck's House of What the Hell Do You Want Tonight? Yep. Somebody's got to choose. Now, what are you really having on the show? Uh, we have Casey and the Sunshine Band tickets to give away. Oh, we, good. We promised them yesterday, and wow. we didn't do it. You know, I like to say is do a little dance, make a little love, get down tonight. And we will do that with Dean Richards as well. Oh, nice. And that's just part of the action coming up in mere yeah, seconds. That's all of it. Oh, that's it. That's, that's all of it.